This is episode 199 with Shea Hillenbrand. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today we are joined by Shea, a two-time MLB all-star turned zoo owner, turned mindset coach, and motivational speaker. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to BetterHelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's BetterHelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. We talk about the ups and downs of his journey, how he found himself struggling to make a living after his pro career ended, and so much more. Let's dive into it. Shay, welcome to the show, man. Um, believe it or not, this is episode 199, and you were the first baseball player that we've ever had on the show. So, oh, like, wow. I don't know what, what took so long, but <laughs> welcome. How are you feeling? You're down in NOLA right now on, on a little bit of a trip, uh, but how are you feeling, man, overall? I feel amazing. I feel feel I'm in the spots I've always sought to be in, uh, being a professional athlete, living out both my childhood dreams and, and you know, coming to the struggles and everything the hell that uh, celebrity status has to deal with. But uh, right now at 47 years old, I found it. I found my smile and I'm just ready to rock. Yeah, I've, I want to start there. Um, I, I joked, you were like, yeah, did you play any baseball? I was like, well, baseball for me ended in sixth grade. It might have even been sooner than that when uh my baseball coach at practice threw a, a line drive he hit a grounder and during the third baseline and he ran over from the pitcher's mound barehanded it and just rocked it full speed to me over at first base gave me the gnarliest <laughs> black eye and i go you know this whole it's not really contact sport but it's a contact sport now that i have a black eye i think i'm out of this uh, and quickly found myself more dedicated in the pool i'm gonna start there with how did you find baseball of all sports or was there other sports that you had tried growing up and when did it click for you? That's a great question. Not many people ask me that uh, as a professional athlete. Um, I think I'm like a lot of other professional athletes. I played soccer in soccer season. I played, I tried to play basketball up until uh, ninth grade, which is still middle school football a little bit. Uh, I was too sensitive, like, like, to touch like uh like when i get hit i'd be like so pissed off i just lose my mind so football really didn't work out but mostly soccer and baseball matter of fact in high school um i was the number one soccer player in the state of arizona uh, out of high school and i had chances to play in europe i had chances to play at universities but i didn't have anywhere to go to play majorly or play baseball at all after high school mm-hmm. so i walked on at a local community community college in arizona called Mesa Community College, and I made the team because I was the first guy there and the last guy to leave every single day. But I was that little boy in fifth grade. Uh, Mr. Murphy went around in our class in fifth grade and says, all right, guys, we're going to figure out, you know, what do you guys want to do when you grow up? What, what's your dream? What's your vision? I would be vigorously in the back of the room raising my hand. Pick me, pick me. And he's like, all right, Shay, because I was always in trouble. I couldn't sit still. I didn't listen to music until I was 14 years old. I never watched TV. I was always outside doing stuff. And I said, pick me. And Mr. Murphy said, what do you want to do, Shay? And I just immediately, with conviction in my voice, said, I'm going to play Major League Baseball, and I'm going to own a zoo. And all my classmates laughed at me. I'm like, really, dude? Like, like I'm going to do it. So I sat at the top deck at Dodger Stadium, diehard Dodger fan, 1980s. You show up in the third inning, 
you're leaving the seventh inning to beat traffic and you listen to Vince Scully on the radio, the voice of the Dodgers. And I'd sit up at the top deck with my nachos in one hand and my, my chocolate malt in my other hand. And I'd always said from eight, nine, 10 years old, I'm going to be down there someday. I'm going to be down there someday. And I'd always say that with conviction. And that's, a, you know, the one thing that we have in our number one tool belt or number one tool in our tool belt is visualization, right? Because your mind can't discern the difference between imagination and reality. So I'd engage my senses. I'd sit there, I'd hear the roar of the crowd, the crack of the bat, the smell of the grass. And I always imagined Vince Scully calling my name, now batting, whatever number, Shay Hillenbrand. And I'd go home at night and I'd lay there in bed and I'd just let those tapes run over and over and over in my mind. Like I said, I never listened to music till I was 14. And my first band I listened to was Millie Vanilli. And even sing the songs. I was like, forget music. I'm going to be outside playing. And I just throw the ball against the wall. That's all I would do. I wouldn't have a professional trainer. I wouldn't have all these, you know, all this stuff that they have nowadays. And, or I'd be hitting the ball off a tee in high school. I'd eat dinner real quick and I'd go outside and I just hit the ball off a tee, a makeshift tee. I had PVC piping, uh, like the white PVC piping as a frame. Mm. And I had a bed sheet. And I was kind of disgruntled because I didn't have a voice. I had a, you know, you know, a little bit of a challenge with my father growing up. I was super emotional, super sensitive. And he was a white knuckler, generational curse kind of thing that we have in our family with stuff he had to deal with his parents. And I just hit that ball on that, that bed sheet, trying to make as loud a noise as possible. Just bang, bang to make my presence known. And uh, it's it just, I always wanted to play Major League Baseball uh, for, for, from day one. That's incredible and i think at what point did it shift from this dream this visualization to this oh shit moment this might actually happen for you because i think a lot of people can listen and be like well i've shay i've been visualizing this my whole life and it it, it hasn't come to fruition yet what what was that yeah. moment for you where it was like all right i'm bought in <laughs> like this is not just in the, fifth grade child, fifth grade Right. I mean, it's just, I, I, there, there was no plan B there. There's like, I, there's nothing. I don't know what y'all are doing. I'm going to the big leagues. So, so like really when it really shifted is when you don't have to go to school anymore, you become 18, you graduate high school and you have an opportunity to go pursue or continue on with your sport after high school into college. Um, I wasn't even good enough to go anywhere, but walked on at the local community college. But right there was really where it's just like, okay, we're putting this into, uh, you know, overboard or we're overdrive. We're, we're going in and we're just rocking and rolling. Like I was the first guy there, the last guy to leave. I just get rep after rep after rep after rep. I remember between my, my, my freshman season of playing uh, junior college, which I was really, really bad. I, I didn't even barely play. And my sophomore season, I, I went up to the coach during tryouts, my, 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 my freshman season and we did it like this this drill between put everybody at shortstop and throw the ball to first base and they're seeing how hard we could throw it to first base and i remember walking up to one of the coaches that was had the, uh, the clipboard with all the numbers i said how hard did i threw he said oh you threw 82 miles an hour i was like okay whatever i don't even know what that means and i my next question was who threw the hardest and he looked down at the list and he's like oh brett, brett lockwood did he threw 91 miles an hour and i was like I'm going to be him next year. I, I said that to myself. I didn't say that to anybody else. So I just went and got a bucket of balls and I threw against the wall. I mean, I'm in Arizona, summer, 120 degrees. I'm just throwing against the wall. I didn't care. We didn't have music, you know, all this stuff. I just threw the ball against the wall 300 times a day. And I came back my sophomore season. 
And then we'd hit, we'd take batting practice, you know, when we we're training, uh, I'd ride my bicycle, uh, 15 miles to the, the junior college from my house in the middle of the summer and it'll be 115 120 and i'm like i gotta do what i gotta do to get to the next level i gotta be able to compete and then i go out there and hit for three hours and all my friends would say hey let me throw your bicycle in the back of the truck and i'll, I'll drive you home because that's that's a long drive back home and i said no i'm riding my bike back home Right there, doing those little things like that is what separates yourself apart from the pack and put yourself in a position to get noticed. So we went out for the sophomore season and did the same drill at shortstop, throwing the ball from shortstop to first base. And I threw the ball. How hard did I throw, coach? You threw 94. I was like, sweet. It's the hardest anybody's ever thrown. But right there, just by working and committing and telling yourself that I'm not going to take anything other than the best out of myself. I didn't compete against anybody else. And I got noticed. Like I got instant respect from my, my teammates, right? Because I threw the hardest and I, I was able to get noticed by coaches and noticed by uh, college recruiters to go to the next level from junior college. And I got noticed by scouts just by running hard from home plate to first base every single day. And that's the biggest thing that I want to convey as an elite performer, as an elite mindset, the one thing that separates the elite from the rest of the pack is just doing the little things. I saw an interview with Michael Phelps the other day. He said he didn't take a day off in five years, 365. He would like, like when you don't take a day off 365 and do twice the workouts as your competition, there's some way, somewhere, somehow, if you have a little bit of a talent, if you have a little bit of ability, you're going to separate yourself from the pack and get noticed. And that's, that's basically what it was. Then I was drafted by the Red Sox in the 10th round after my sophomore season. And after my sophomore season of junior college baseball, I became the number one baseball player at the junior college level in Arizona. And it's just like, how did I even do this? I do. I walked on. It's just, those are the things that are uh, applicable, the, the intangibles, the mindset stuff, the commitment stuff. It's like, you got to stir up the hunger and you have to execute. Execute. Those are two things right there is like, okay, how do you stir up hunger? Like, well, you have to find something you, you, you enjoy doing, right? I know we all have a purpose. I know we all have a vision and a dream. I know from like, from my belief and understanding and experience, we all have been put here for a reason for Shay being put here. It wasn't to play major league baseball. It was to do this, to use my voice to help other people find their voice, but you got to find something that stirs up your interest. And once you start getting the skill sets within that, that's going to stir up your hunger. And then if you, so once you stir up that hunger, you have to execute, 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 execute. I think that's where so many people stop is they don't execute a fear of failure, fear of other people's opinions or fear of whatever. Like here I am, the number one baseball player in Arizona, and I really didn't even know what I was doing. So <laughs> it worked out, right? It all worked out. It's funny. You said before we started recording, you're like, how did you stare at a black line with referencing my swimming career? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like black line sounds pretty enticing compared to 115 degrees just throwing a ball against the wall as hard as i can to just up you know that throwing power uh a few not a, not a few that's a very large jump in velocity from 81 to, to 94 the following year uh very very impressive there talk me through the i've always been curious to speak with people that have had the major league experience because it isn't necessarily like you get drafted and then you're like starting on opening day walking out right like there's so much ups and downs that come with the journey in particular to major league baseball that we don't see in a lot of other pro sports what was that like for you throughout your career and and how did you keep your mindset 
at that tip top notched shape of still believing in yourself, even when maybe teams and organizations didn't, and they sent you down, sent you back up or traded you or whatever it may be. Um, just walk me through that because I've always been just really curious to know because it's a heck of a ride that you guys go through. Yeah, that's an amazing question because uh, not many people understand what it's like when, when you transition from college baseball or high school baseball to professional baseball. You get these Division One players that play at big universities, actually had a, a kid in double A. So it goes single A. There's like three levels of single A. There's double A, there's triple A, and then there's a major league. So it has a farm system. The only other uh, organization that has it or team uh, sport is, is hockey. And I think what they do is they try to weed out all the people because baseball is built around failure. If you want to learn how to fail, learn from a major league baseball player and learn from a baseball player. And to, to put things in perspective, in 2004, I was playing for the Diamondbacks. I hit 310. And if you hit 310 and fail, you're, I mean, I'm failing 70% of the time. I had 580 plate appearances. I failed 400 times out of 580 in front of the world. 30,000. Oh, you suck. You're a loser. You're an idiot. Then I hit a home run. Oh, you're amazing. The next at bat, you strike out. Oh, you suck. You can't hit. I mean, that, that roller coaster that you go through is so parallel to life. It's insane. So in, in that year, I made, I made millions of dollars when I failed so much of the time. And, it, you know, once you get drafted to play baseball, I mean, it's extremely difficult. It's not glamorous like you think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, not you, but everybody thinks it is. I mean, what they don't tell you is that 90% of baseball players, after they get drafted, they want to quit after the first week. I mean, it's it's crazy. When I played, it's a little bit different now. I was making $680 a month, and half that went to room and board. You're on bus bus rides, 13-hour uh, overnight trips. You're staying in podunk towns, and you're staying in Motel 6s with the roommate. You're going to Burger King. You're going to Taco Bell. Like, you don't have any money. Um, you, you're, you're in line with the pay phone because we really didn't have cell phones in, and then you just talk to somebody. about Like, it was crazy. Like, you just... This is what uh, my, I signed up for. So um, after my first season, I got player of the year, but I was really bad at shortstop. I made 14 years in my first 10 games. So they moved me to first base and third base. And then, and then after my second season, I got player of the year again. And then they like, you want to catch because there's a log jam at first and third. Yeah, I'll learn how to catch. So like you have to, regardless of what your dream is. And this is where people get stuck. You're like, uh, like you said, like my vision, I've been working on it forever. Maybe you have to pivot. Maybe you have to try a different way. Maybe you can't just keep putting your head up against the wall the same way every way, every way. As a kid at the top deck of Dodger Stadium, I wanted to be a major league shortstop. And that could be the furthest thing. I'm not good. So I moved from shortstop to first and third base. And then I moved from first and third base to catch. So after my third season, I got married in the off season. And after a week after my honeymoon, I went to Australia for the off season, learned how to catch the other side of the world uh, for three months. And then I learned how to catch. It came back and I went back down a level. And, and then I, I did really good that time at uh, that, that level. And then I skipped the next level and I went to double A. And then halfway through my next season catching, I'm on the fast track to go play major league baseball. And halfway through the season, I was going to go get called up to the major leagues two weeks after July 4th, the July 4th, uh, that year in double A, I tore my ACL catching my whole career. Bump sideline that took me off the 40 man roster, which is like a select roster, which you could bring up. The, it's like the business side. Like everything was like done. So I flew to Boston, had my from Arizona, had my uh, surgery. It's a seven month rehab for ACL, and you can't catch after ACL because you're you're bending all the time and all that pressure on your knees. Insane. So 
Um, I said, I'm not going to go to the, the spring training. I'm not going to go to Florida for, for my rehab. I'm going home for the off season. I did my rehab in my kitchen on a two by four, uh, eight foot long, two by four. I did my rehab at home behind seven 11, throwing a medicine ball with the bums. I did my rehab on my, like, it's, it's just a mindset, right? And they're like, you'll be lucky to be ready. You know, maybe halfway through the next season. I said, no, I'm going to be ready by the time season starts. I'm going to rock it. So next season starts, I'm ready. I rock it. I play third base. I, break the league record like i did so many insane things and then i get invited to a big league spring training the following season and then after that like i made like i thought i was going to go to triple a to catch and i'm starting third baseman for the big league team in boston red Sox out of spring training i was the first guy to go from double a to the major leagues for 30 years for the boston red Sox. here is a guy five years before walked on into junior college and here I am, the starting third baseman for the Boston Red Sox on a $120 million payroll. And I'm out there just like, oh, my gosh, it's the mindset. So you have to be able to pivot. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to make different adjustments. You don't get rid of that vision, that ultimate dream, that whatever you have inside yourself. But you have to be able to pivot. It might not be the way you want to go. You might have to go this way. You might have to go that way. You might have to get more intel over here. You might not be ready to go this way, so you have to do this or that or whatever. So uh, even to the side door, the back door, whatever, a window, a crack or whatever you do, like you just got to be prepared. So many people wait for an opportunity to happen and then they're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do the work, but they miss an opportunity of a lifetime because they're not prepared. So Mm -hmm. I like so many people that have success. I prepared day and night, regardless of where I was, I was like, I'm getting off the bus and grabbing the weights. I'm like, what am I doing here? I want to quit. No, prepare, do the work, do extra work, keep going. How do we get the advantage and prepare yourself? Because at some point in time, somebody's going to come to you and give you an opportunity and say, dude, I will show you the way. Are you ready to go? And you have to be ready for that opportunity because that opportunity will pass you by if you're not ready and presenting yourself in that situation. Quick one for you. As someone who's moved around seven times in the last five years, I know how hard it is to find new experiences and more importantly, friends, each place that life continues to take me. That's why we've created the Forever Athlete Social Club, a membership platform with curated experiences that help you grow closer to yourself and those around you. As a member of the Social Club, you'll receive a weekly experience to go and try in your community, as well as meet up events and opportunities to introduce you to like-minded individuals. Now, this isn't your cheesy alumni group filled with awkward conversation and overwhelming self-promotion from that one dude from high school that's just trying to help you get passive income in your life. No, the Social Club is a vetted, safe space for you to be your authentic self and grow with a like-minded community all over the world. Come join the free platform over at foreverathletesocialclub.com and start making teammates for life today. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more with pretty much everything that you just said. The the visual that came to mind for me was, I think, when it comes to vision, it's like people are waiting for this door behind me. This is my vision. These doors will open, and that's where the promised land will be. That's that's when my goal becomes a fruition, right? And we get so stuck just looking and dead centered on that, that we miss that, hey, maybe this other door over here that you can't even see on the camera is open or this window is open and that you actually need to go that way to get into the room that you were trying to find. I heard that kind of come up as you were like, well, you know, catching didn't happen at the level that you wanted to, but third base and first base became an option. That's, you know, if the ultimate vision was getting the big league, get your, your foot in the door, 
you got to be open to be able to to be versatile and try these different things um so i love that and just your your story as you were kind of telling it there that was where my head was at um yeah let me let me let me let me jump in real quick if you don't yeah. mind let me jump in real quick so it. many people wait for that door right behind you so many people wait for that door to open and the greatest version of yourself, the greatest you, whatever you might believe, I believe in Jesus Christ. He's there. He's knocking. That opportunity is there. It's knocking. But you have to physically get outside your comfort zone, and you have to go over there and open that door. You have to bust through that door and see if that's where you're supposed to be. So many people are like, I don't know. There's limited beliefs kick in. Maybe it's not me. I don't know. I'm not prepared for that. No, go open that door because if that's the door you're supposed to go through, that's the door that you'll blow through. It's the craziest difference. So many people wait. And I was like, where do I go? I was a two-time all-star third baseman playing in front of hundreds of millions of people. I have zero clue how to field a ground ball. They always told me, just hit, just hit. Find your way that you'll get to the big leagues if you just hit. I'm like, okay, I've swung a baseball bat a million times. I'd be an idiot not to be able to hit a major league fastball right now, which they say is the most difficult thing to do in sports, period. But I wasn't that good at defense. Here I am. Playing starting in an all-star game in front of hundreds of millions. Like, it's crazy. I'm like, how did I do that? I went through that door. I wasn't prepared. I, I wasn't fully prepared. I was enough prepared to go through that situation. I was prepared just enough. And that vision, just enough. And as you go, more stuff will get downloaded for you guys. And that's what we need to understand is that we have to have everything perfect and everything lined up. And maybe it's not this. And maybe it's not that. That story that we tell ourselves every single day is the biggest thing that's hindering us. That's the governor on our life and our belief system just open the door that's it right i have a feeling you're not a big believer in manifestation based off of that <laughs> well there's, there, there's your will there's there's god's like there's, there's you have yeah. to do stuff you have to master those skill sets because like tom billion says skill sets have utility i've solely believe in that and i'm like okay like i don't know how to field a ground ball i'm gonna go to the guy next to me who's kind of like the michael phelps in baseball omar viscal he's got nine gold gloves he's like i'm like how do you do it he's like oh it's so facile it's so easy shay Papi, it's just like a dance. And I'm like, dude, it's not easy for me, man. I'm white. I can't dance. He's like, okay, the first thing you have to do is read the ground ball for speed, location, hop. The second thing you have to do is set up for the ground ball. The third thing you have to do is get your momentum going towards your target. The fourth thing you have to do is pick up your target and throw. And I'm like, okay, the uncluttered mind's systematic. So I just have to create a process, read the ground ball. Set up for the ground ball. Get my feet moving. Throw it at first. Read the ground ball. Set up for the ground ball. Get my feet moving. Throw it at first. And if you do that over and over and over and over and over again, you can trick them on the biggest stages of the world on TV in front of 40,000 people. It's not that hard. We get in our own way. We always do, right? We, we tend to, to do that. What do you, do you ever find yourself in your own way throughout your career and even post? And looking back now, knowing what you know, like, how do you, how do you now find yourself in your own way and then take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to reframe. What does that process look like for you now? It's amazing. Um, I was after, during my rookie season, I was told by multiple people that I was slated to be a hundred million dollar baseball player. And when I played in the, in the, early my last year was playing is 2007 so i played in the early 2000s and at that time was like that's like that's pretty pretty i mean there's a lot of money now but but the, back then it was like oh my gosh it's crazy so um i didn't reach that i i, I made 20 million dollars which is still a heck of a lot of money but but it's one fifth of my potential so so I, as i left the game of baseball i left the game of baseball in my prime that's what a lot of people don't understand i left in my, i vanished from major league baseball because 
that pain from the story I told myself at 14 years old when my dad walked into my room in Southern California. I was getting ready to go to high school, and he says, he drops a bombshell on me. He says, son, we're moving out of state. And I freaked out. He didn't tell me why. He didn't explain it. We didn't really have a communication thing or whatever because of this is how it was. It wasn't an abusive relationship. It was just, it is what it is. We got to go. And as my dad left the room that day at 14 years old, the story that I told myself, because the feelings I was wrapped around that experience, my dad told me, is like, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. And my dad doesn't love me. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. How could he take me from my friends? My community of friends and sports and a formative time of my life going into high school. Now I'm moving to a totally different state, not even knowing anybody. I have no identity. I don't have any voice. I don't know who I am outside of what I do as an athlete. I'm done. So I decided to become an overachiever through athletics when I moved at 14 from California to Arizona. And that drove me to the top. But I was empty inside because I didn't know who I was. I, fought, I had all these internal battles going over from these stories because we have experiences in our life. And these experiences of our life, some are traumatic, some are defining moments, some are negative, some are positive. The story that we tell ourselves from those experiences forms a perspective. And that perspective forms our belief system, our identity of where we operate from. So what I'm trying to say to wrap this back into what you asked is that Man, I put all my eggs in a basket. If I just get the big leagues, if I just get enough success, if I just achieve what I know I can achieve as my childhood dream, I'll be good enough in my father's eyes. So here I am on top of the world flying private jets. I'm in a Citation 10 private jet, 10-passenger, multi-million-dollar jet going from Arizona to Detroit, Michigan to go play in the All-Star game. I'm flying at 64,000 feet going 640 miles an hour, big, bad, pimp, and shea because I thought I was greater than everything in the world because I had an ego huger than anybody else around to feel that void on the inside of myself. I'm on my jet looking out the window. You know the thing I'm telling myself? Is this all that life has to offer? Is this it? Wow, I hate everything about this. But I got to put a, a smile on tomorrow. I got to perform tomorrow because if I don't perform tomorrow in front of hundreds of millions of people, I'm not going to have a job. And that's where we get stuck as major league baseball players and professional athletes. So many people can't relate, but it's so relatable because if I don't have a job, I'm not going to have an identity. So whenever I went to the field each and every night, the stadium, each and every night over my major league baseball career, I had a fielding coach. I had a throwing coach. I had a hitting coach. I had a videographer that analyzed every different aspect of every movement on the field. I had a massage therapist. I had a chiropractor. I had a, a masseuse. I had a chef. I had an orthopedic surgeon. I had athletic trainers. I had, I had everything in the world as a resource to work on Shea Hillenbrand, the performer, that I rocked it. I had everything. I had the most confidence you could ever have. I was out there each and every night cracking home runs. I was the first guy to hit a game-winning home run off Mariano Rivera as a Red Sox. He's the all-time greatest closer for the Yankees at Fenway Park. I'm running first base in the ground, shaking. I thought the stadium was going to collapse all because of what I did. I was in two All-Star games. I was in a perfect game. I hit three home runs in one game in consecutive innings. I did highlight after highlight after highlight. But over I left it, whenever I left that stadium each and every night, I had no one to help work on Shea Hillenbrand, the person. So when you're empty inside and you're having success or you're or in pursuit of having success, what fuels that gap is your ego. 
And ego stands for edging God out. And two things I figured out that you cannot do with ego to have success. You can have ego to get you there. A lot of people write off that ego to, to perform every single night, their alter ego like Kobe does or whatever. But the, the thing is, is that you can't find sustainable success if you operate off ego and you'll never find fulfillment on the inside. Mm. So here I am on top of the world with millions and millions of dollars in the bank and and I'm flying private jets. I have three matches. I have three, six cars, 300 pairs of shoes. I'm running, rubbing shoulders with the president and movie stars and, and rocking it. And I have, I have little girls in the stands holding up signs saying, will you marry me, Shay? And I'm doing autograph signings for $10,000 an hour. And girls are coming to the table crying and shaking just because they got to meet me. But what they couldn't see is that pain inside myself fueling the pain-driven game. And that pain came from... The stories and the perspective I formed from my experiences throughout my life, stemming from my childhood and my adolescence, stupid little stories that are irrelevant to so many people I talk to around the world now. Like my story is nothing compared to so many people I talk to, but you got to understand this. Your story is your reality, is your truth, and that's what you operate from. So the one thing I didn't have is fulfillment on top of the world. So I walked away. I left $50 million of potential earnings on the table. I vanished. I walked away from that one childhood dream that everybody, all my friends and everybody gave up on and didn't want to pursue and, and alienated myself from. And here I am in the prime of my career. And I just walked away from it. All. I couldn't do it anymore because I was numb to everybody and everyone around me and everything. So I pursued what? My second childhood dream. I bought a zoo. Got the zoo, right? <laughs> I was like, I think I'm the only Major League Baseball player to leave Major League Baseball and buy a zoo. So I bought a horse farm in, in Gilbert, Arizona. And it was a $5 million farm and I accumulated over 300 farm and exotic animals. I had a dog rescue. I rescued and adopted out over a thousand dogs. Now I transformed and morphed into Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, man. Here I am. I have camels and kangaroos and llamas and alpacas and monkeys and raccoons. And, and I have everything. I had two 800 pound Wilshire pigs, Taco Bell and Gilbert. I had a three-legged goat named Trace. I had a blind horse with a C&I pony. I had a, uh, I had a, a Holstein cow named Biggie Smalls and a, a mini donkey named Tupac. We had to separate them at night because they'd have coast to coast. No, I'm joking, but it was crazy what happened at this farm, man. We had transformation after transformation after transformation because what I did is I had a vision of rescuing and rehabilitating these animals with unconditional love. And I put them in a petting zoo environment and I'd invite inner city disabled and child crisis children out to this farm to interact with these animals. And what happened under this farm was just superseded anything I ever did on this, uh, on the major league baseball field. It was insane. It was crazy that the joy I received witnessing these animals transform thousands of children's lives in my community was just priceless. I'm bound to get it now, that fulfillment. I'm bound to get what I'm searching for now because I couldn't get on a major league baseball field. This, the success, the fame, the status, the money, all that glory, all that stuff that we so think that's going to fill that void inside. It didn't do it. And neither did this farm of rescuing these animals and helping these kids. So eight years ago now, I found myself on the floor of a van parked outside my ex-wife's house. Here lies a guy that so many people envied. And I want to make this so clear. I overdosed on drugs and alcohol to numb that pain I was feeling. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I wasn't, and I'm not in one night now. But we run numb and flee from these pain points in our lives because we can't figure it out. I drive around like, what's the purpose of life? I've lived these, I lived both my childhood dreams, and I can't, I have nothing. I was scrounging up change out of my chill, my cup holder in my van just to feed my kids Little Caesars pizza eight years ago. I had nothing. 
I was parked outside my ex-wife's house with my children at arm's distance away. I have three beautiful adopted children. And as my soul's leaving the top of my head and I'm clinging onto my last breath in this van eight years ago, the thoughts going through my mind were so toxic. You're a loser. You're a failure. You've lost everything, Shay. You said you quit Major League Baseball for your kids. It's what I thought I did. But I quit for my ego, to feel my ego. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore. You're a hypocrite, Shay. What would your parents think if you left this world today, Shay? What kind of dad would do this to his kids? You're a freaking loser. That's the story I was playing in my head. And that's the story that so many men out there right now are playing in their head because of the defining moments in their life. And my answer to that was, I don't know. I'm nothing if I don't have baseball. So I let go. I didn't know what else to do. I don't know if I died or if I fell asleep. See, the game had become my name, my identity of who I was. But by the grace of God, I woke up the next day and the sun peered through the front windshield of my van and I came to and I didn't have any side effects, no stomach ache, no nausea or anything. The concoction of pills and alcohol I consumed the night before I should have either been dead or in a hospital because I have I'm a social, obsessive, compulsive, you know, personality, competitive on top of the, if I'm going to do something, you're going to do it right to the extreme. And uh, it was an aha moment. And, and, and I knew that, that I had to do the most two main, most painful, biggest decisions of my life is, is that to take back control and own my life. And the way I did that was getting into momentum, stacking little wins. And, and once you get into momentum, like, like you, you'll get rewarded. Like life will reward you because life's about momentum. You got to get into momentum regardless of what you do. And when I did that, God brought strategic people into my life, one being in my life today. And, and I'm so excited. To, uh, I'm in New Orleans here with her uh, to spend some time with her. But uh, he brought her into my life and she provided me direction and accountability. I didn't need to do that because I was able to hide behind the veil of Major League Baseball player. Don't you know who I am? I'm Shea Hillenbrand. I crack home runs and they do this. It's such a disgusting place to live. And, and all that was stripped for me and all that needed to be stripped for me to work on me, Shea Hillenbrand, the person and not Shea Hillenbrand, the performer. Mm. And I mean, Shay, so much to, to question, not, I don't, not even question, but to I'm curious about so much there, but I just want to first just acknowledge the journey and the, and the growth that you've undergone since those moments um i can relate to some extent but not fully so i just want to acknowledge your experience man because to your point i i love that you're sharing about it because there's so many people out there that are living it they might not even realize that they're living it so that finding that deeper purpose to share pain in a way to possibly maybe solve pain for other people, I think is, is massive. And what I'm curious about is something in my own content creation journey, uh, because I story, I tell a lot about my past as well and the pain and, and the lower points. How have you found that you've been able to tell your story while moving on from your story and not getting addicted to the old story. Does that make sense? Because makes a hundred percent sense. There's plenty of times where I'm like, I got to go to a really dark place, man, to like convey this emotion in this piece of content that I want to put out. But I know by doing so, it's going to help so many people. And almost you like, you sacrifice a part of yourself up in that moment as well. So you're curious to, to hear what has helped you lately 
because I'm curious because I'm still figuring that out on my end. Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I deal with the group uh, MVP, which is merging vets with professional athletes. Mm. It was merging, merging vets with players. And and uh, we have combat vets that that are stuck in that story because the traumatic experiences and the stuff that experienced when they've been deployed. And, and I mean, I have the goosebumps from my whole body right now of like, like sharing with me how they how were trained to go kill people and actually killed people and you treat like, whatever process you go through and coming back. And what, what we've come to the census is, is that once you tell your story, you know, you're going to help some other people out. And what I've experienced with my story is that I had to heal by sharing my story. I wasn't going to be able to heal. I was going to be stuck in that cycle if I didn't share my story. And I found myself crying and then I found myself playing the victim at the beginning when I shared my story. But as I continued to share my story, I had more revelations come to me because I'm present being able to share my story and understand like, well, here you're being the victim, Shay, but you got to understand that, holy, no way. And if I didn't go there to share my story and to be vulnerable enough to go back and deal with those pain points in my life that that drove me to where I am now, um, I wouldn't be able to understand how to rewrite history. And that's the most exciting part is to be able to rewrite history. We can't go back and change the actual experience of what happened to you in your life, but we have the power to go back and change the perspective towards that experience. And when that perspective shifts and you change that perspective from anger and resentment and regret and, and all these negative feelings to empathy and understanding, oh my gosh, you release the power inside yourself that you have access to that, that's blocked from the story that we tell ourselves. So once we tell our story more on a continual basis, I'm, I'm proud because my, my story is an Emmy award-winning story, but but it was it was painful to go through that, but I wouldn't be able to get to where I am if I didn't share my story. And those revelations come and then you heal. And then all of a sudden you really realize you're able to change the perspective towards those pain points in that story that, hey, Maybe, you know what, Shay, you, you weren't really made and slated to make $100 million because if you did that, I can't imagine the damage I would have done along the way. Just Google me, man. Like, I'm like, what was I thinking, man, when I did those things that I did? It's going to make for a great book and a great movie someday. But but it's just like, oh, my gosh, if I did that, I wouldn't be where I am now. So people ask me, what would you tell your 19-year-old self or what would you tell? Nothing. For one, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't waste my time on that person. I'm not going to listen, but but it wouldn't lead me to where I am right now, man. I'm in my dream life. I'm with my dream wife. I'm living. I found my smile. I found understanding. I found peace. I found all the fulfillment. I found everything I've searched for on top of the world. And it took me to go through all those things to get me to understand the power lies in your perspective. And so many people's life is limited by the story that they tell themselves on a daily basis. Like you said, that they're not aware about it, aware of it because they say it so many times on a subconscious level. And that's mm. blocking them from the power that they have inside themselves. I'm telling you, man, I'm going to make a bigger impact now. I'm going to make a bigger impact uh, with, with what I have and financial, all these things that I ever did play in Major League Baseball. But it all came from me being vulnerable enough to go to those back to those areas of my pain points in my life. Cause it, there's, like I said at the beginning, there's negative emotions, there's mm. trauma, there's, 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 ah, it's just baggage you don't want to deal with to go there. But I take pride now. It's like, dude, let, let me go there with you. I'll go there with you. I'll go on the inside and I'll help you out. Don't worry about that, man, because all this stuff that you've done, I've, I've either been exposed to or done myself. So I get it. I understand it. I, let, let's go. Because if we don't go there, it doesn't matter the training you have, doesn't matter how many books you have behind you, doesn't matter how many doors you open, because that's why 
people start to self-sabotage themselves, right? You hear people like, oh, they're scared of having success. Yeah, because your mindset is limited and your training is limited because the story you're telling yourself, you're still on level three mindset when you're trying to go to level four, five, six, and seven with the level three mindset, that mindset is going to limit you. So to, uh, to, 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 to release a new mindset, because each level we go to, new levels require new mindsets, we have to be able to deal with that story that we're telling ourselves. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. And my dad doesn't love me. I didn't realize that's a story that I was telling myself when I was flying private jets, when I was cracking home runs on ESPN, uh, all that stuff. But but that's what was really limiting me. And I was grateful enough to be able to go through that because I just want to help other people out. That's it. Mm. Mm. I love- Hopefully that stimulates some thought for you. <laughs> it, no, it, it really does. Uh, I mean, the first thought that comes to mind, I love to say, you know, we don't upgrade the mindset. It's no different than getting the latest iPhone, but it has the iOS one on it, right? You're like, this thing's a piece of crap, but it's the newest outside. It looks the coolest, has the coolest new camera, but the operating system isn't up to date. So you need to- My best friend was sending me reels. My best friend was sending me reels on IG and he's like, watch this reel because we're always sending stuff back. He's a guy I went to high school with or Mm. junior college with. And and he told his mom at nine years old that I'm going to play major league. I'm going to play baseball. I'm going to be a WWE wrestler. and I'm going to be a a, a movie star in Hollywood. And darn, he played for the Tigers. He wrestled uh, the WWE and now he's in Hollywood. But he sends me reels back and forth. And I'm like, dude, I can't hear the audio on the reels that you send. I don't know what what they're saying because it's motivational stuff. What it was is I didn't update the app to the new program. And I'm like, dude, this is crap. I can't do this. All these limited beliefs. I'm, like, oh, I'm not going to be. Able-. So many of us miss out on so many opportunities, so many situations, because like you said, we're not updating. We're not mm-hmm. getting out of our own way. And that starts with what am I telling myself when I go to bed at night? Am I questioning like, like, am I good enough? Am I waking up? Like, is this all life has to offer? I can't tell many how many people I talk to now that around the world, they say, well, life's passed me by. I'm 40 years old. Um, I'm 45. I'm doing this. I'm really successful. And it's just like, I'm like, dude, I'm 47. I had to rewrite my whole dang story at 40, 40 years old. So it's possible. So let's go do it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two other thoughts that came to mind throughout just this conversation. The first one being, you brought up a good point of you're not an addict, you're not an alcoholic, um, but you have an all in all out mindset. You have this obsessive compulsive towards a goal, right? And I think so many athletes fall fall into that category, myself included. Um, I'm going on about a year and 10 months sober from alcohol. And it wasn't a point where I was like alcoholic, but I just figured I wanted to take a step away to reevaluate my own relationship with this how are you channeling this all in all out mindset with what you're doing now in a way that better serves you? Because obviously you you still do have, like it served you to a certain degree and it's serving you still now. Is it more about like winning and learning when to turn it on and when to turn it off? And if so, how have you found to turn it off? Because I think that's something that a lot of athletes can relate to. It's like, dude, I'm all in on all out on, everything that i do 
Yeah, and that's what it is. I can't compete. People are like, I want to go play like men's league baseball. You want to play softball? I'm like, dude, come on, dude. Like, I don't ever want to touch a baseball bat again because I have the Kobe. I have the the the, the cleaner mindset. It's just like, dude, let's go. Like, like, like I got to do something differently. So, so what I realized through this whole process, like I said, I call it the five P's. And the five P's is like we have pain points and pressure in our life, right? And then, and then the last P is is uh, profit. And so many people like, if I just have success, if I just have have status and if i just gain enough money all that that, that problems with the pain point is going to go away but it's not what happens is once we get this pain point and this pressure in our life we form a perspective around that and we're not aware of those perspectives that we have that that we form around those pain points or that pressure in our life for me my whole life was negative my wife chris she's like what are you doing man you're still negative i'm like how am I negative? This is like reality. Like, this is like, this is the furthest thing, furthest thing from negative right now. But like the perspective that I formed around all these pain points in life, like they, they were just like, just negative. So I can't stress enough that the power lies in that perspective. So since I have a negative perspective around these pain points, what I do is I run numb and flee from that, those, that perspective, those pain points. I gotta, I gotta go, go drink. I gotta do drugs. I gotta be promiscuous with, with whatever that might be in that area. Or I have to, most people eat too much or they try to lose themselves and the, the last P profit. If I just do this in my work and do everything, everything's going to take care. Of. I got to provide for my family. I got to protect my family. No, it's not going to work. So what happens is we have to be able to switch that perspective to these pain points because profit's the end point, the, the bookend to pain points in our life. And if we understand that we, we don't got to worry about profit, the profit will take care of itself. The status will take care of itself. The money will take care of itself. If I just switch those pain points, my perspective, those pain points, I'm going to be able to access to the power inside I have. I'm telling you, this this Shea Hillenbrand you see right now is so locked up on top of the world. It's crazy. And this energy and this passion was fueling anger. And I couldn't deal with that anger, so I'd run numb and flee for those pain points and the anger in my life. So if you tap into that power you have inside yourself by switching the perspective that we have whether it's transitioning to a new career as an athlete or whether it's in a relationship I have with my spouse or whether it's my profession that I have or with my children or whatever it might be, I tap into this power. And that when you tap into this power, you find a deeper version of yourself that you didn't know it existed. And we're like, oh, you're getting deep. You're getting emotional. You're getting all the... No, man, I'm telling you, this stuff's real life stuff. And I call it an absolute power. And once you do that, you'll find purpose. You'll start getting... You'll find you'll just... You'll be... What I'm put here to do, you'll just start discovering that. You'll start mm -hmm. understanding that. And that that, that purpose once you start pursuing your purpose i can't stress enough this is the last thing i thought i'd be doing i'd never talk i couldn't even talk i, I i'd crack home runs in in yankee stadium i'd be on espn i'd take my my entourage because i thought i was bad because i had I had to cover up that, that that scared little boy inside by being an a-hole i'd take my entourage to five-star restaurants in new york and drop 4k on a meal and i couldn't step to the supper plate eating my dinner because i'd almost pee my pants every single time because i was so scared to get up from my dinner plate to walk across the restaurant while I'm on TV after I cracked a home run in Yankee Stadium to win the game in fear of everybody staring at me. That perspective, no self-confidence, no self-worth. I can't tell you enough. So many people, like I did, put their all their eggs in a basket as, as, as a performer. So once I was able to switch those perspective to those pain points I tapped into a power I start pursuing a purpose I start creating video I start helping people I start sharing my story the last thing I want to do is be vulnerable enough because I helped everybody else out I haven't given away millions of dollars to help people and here I am I had to ask people for help God put strategic people like my wife into my life to provide me that and it's just like this sucks 
because maybe they'll see the real Shay. Maybe people will see who Shay really is. All these stories of, of uh, no self-confidence and no self-worth. Yeah, yeah, I could train that, but the real Shay is this. I want people to see the real Shay. I had to get out of my own way. I had to drop the ego. I had to have everything, you know, stripped from my life so I could work on the real Shay. And once you start pursuing that purpose with the power inside yourself, the profit's going to come, man. I'm telling you, it's going to come tenfold. It's going to come more than you could ever imagine. Opportunities are going to come up just like this. Opportunity to be able to speak to you. Like, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And 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 it's just, I, I can't tell you enough. It's It's what you say to yourself. And understand, like becoming aware of, of, mm. of, of, of those those pain points of, of where I'm at. Why why do I want to drink right now? Because I, we, my wife and I drink wine, you know. And and sometimes I'll find myself a bottle deep into. It. I'm like, what, what what just happened? You know, it's just like, oh, be aware. Like you can sip this wine. You can enjoy this. You don't have to do this. It's like finding those patterns and those routines that you get into as an obsessive, uh, obsessive compulsive personality. And as an elite performer, it's just like, okay, like let's just put and understand that we can get the same results that I'm trying to seek with numbing myself or a buzz or whatever with doing these other things in my life on a more consistent basis without setting myself back. Mm. Dude, those five P's are incredible. It just uh, came to me one day when I was driving down the road. This was crazy. I love that. And I love how they lead into one another as well. Um, I definitely encourage anyone listening to, to go back and, and listen to that a couple times over and just take some awareness, take some notes of like, Hey, when you mentioned pain points, I'm sure we all have something that is a pain point right pain now. drives us right right pain like if you're not a like pain is a sign of life we all deal with pain yeah. we all have problems right so now a problem arises um, i mean i have a sound sound more sound mind than i did before to where i'm able to navigate that not freak out it's not the end all it's like if i don't perform you know it's not like when i play baseball i'm not gonna have a job it's all good man tomorrow the sun's gonna come up and it's just doing those little things every single day to work on yourself like Oprah said, if you, you got to work harder on yourself than you do your job, it's your responsibility to fill yourself up and keep yourself full. No one else. Absolutely. And you gotta, I would encourage people to, to prioritize that first and foremost, because then hundred percent, I'm the poster child, brother, success yeah. without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, man. That's me. That was like crazy. It's like, here I am on top of the world. And the greatest gift that I missed while I was up there was being able to impact and, and influence and add value to other people's lives because that platform that you have up there is so, so, so vast and so amazing. So unique. It doesn't really exist elsewhere. Um, everything aside, I'd be really curious to know, how do you identify as like now, like who is Shea Hillenbrand now? baseball side profession aside like who are you at your core so you you mentioned earlier that the identity we can't exist without identity or identity doesn't exist without profession at least that was a belief at, at some point so be curious to know we we peel back profession who are you who who have we been ha having the pleasure to speak with for the past few minutes here yeah, it's crazy. This is Shea Hillenbrand, the same Shea Hillenbrand that played Major League Baseball, but one with fulfillment, one with peace, one with that, that can live with himself, that understands uh, the, the failures. I tried to be a perfection. I tried to prove to everybody. And that's the craziest thing is like when, when I left Major League Baseball, the character that played Major League Baseball created quite a noise while he played Major League Baseball. So I, I was like, 
that that really wasn't me on the inside. That was the byproduct of someone who had internal struggles and demons and challenges of, of a boy that needed to be consoled and understood why I was in pain and hurting and all these different things I was experiencing as I grew up. So what I did is I tried to prove to everybody that I wasn't that person. Then I became a yes man. And so many of us do that is that we we disconnect because we are are, are intangible. It's like like man, I'm so driven. Like, like, I feel like I'm a Ferrari getting up every single day. I drive my wife nuts, man. She's like, what are you doing, man? I'm, like, I make the bed the same way every day. I take out the trash the same way every day. I mow the lawn the same way. They're, like, I'm process-oriented. I got to get up. I'm doing my, I'm working out. I'm doing my things. Like, I I, I wear her out. She's like, dude, I'm just going to be in bed here chilling <laughs> and just relaxing because uh, I don't want to do all that stuff. It's just like, like, I try to disconnect from that person and become a yes man. And that's what led me to the van. That's what led me down that road of this nothingness and like, like no substance on the inside of who I was. So, so now it's just, I'm, so as you can see, I'm extremely passionate. I'm, I, I, I'm just, I'm loving, I, I, I care and I'm, I'm walking down Bourbon Street. I'm going to do it right after this interview right now. And I have compassion for, for the people that are, that are, that are homeless, that are fighting that battle because I know what it feels like to be one breath away. And, you know, this empathy of, of these, these people here that are, that are, that they're trying to run them and flee from the stories. And I just can't imagine the stories that they tell themselves that led them to the point to be sleeping on the streets of, of, of Bourbon Street. I can't imagine that's what was their childhood dream growing up. So uh, being able to deal with that and not let all this stuff be a distraction of what I'm trying to achieve. So what I'm trying to achieve is I want to use my voice to help other people find their voice to impact the world. I want to use my gifts and talents and just go out there and just just inspire people and just uh, motivate people. I know motivation is temporary, but sometimes uh, I feel like I, I'm a paramedic on an ambulance with the defibrillators like wake up, let's go, man. So it's like giving that motivation, that passion, that energy, uh, and being able to have them tie into that and say, okay, what are some you know strategies that we could do? Because you have to be able to rescue yourself. Mm. You can have all the resources in the world. You can have the best support. Everything's free online, pretty much, right? We can get all the resources online, but if you're not willing to say, you know what, I'm tired of being where I am right now. I'm going to take level one. I'm going to start on level one. What is level one for most people? Level one for most people is not going out there and rocking it and creating video and doing these things and training. Level one for most people is to stop the bleeding, to stop the habits and the routines that we're doing on a daily basis to keep bleeding ourselves out. If I say I'm going to wake up at a certain time, wake up. I have to keep the promises to myself. Self-doubt will creep in. But to combat that self-doubt, the way I was able to hit and perform on stage in front of so many people without fielding a ground ball is to keep the promises to yourself and gain self-confidence in whatever you're trying to achieve, whether it's in your personal life with yourself, or whether it's your health or your mindset or, or, or your spiritual aspect, or whether it's in your private life with your interpersonal relationships with your spouse or partner or your parents or your children, or if it's in your professional life, what are the things that I'm doing I have to become aware of to stop the bleeding? And then once I stop the bleeding, I just got to hold myself accountable and take that action, the baby steps every single day. There's no secret, man. I can't tell you enough, man. Like there's like for all the success I have, the one thing that so many people do, like I told you, that have that elite level is they have that hunger and they execute. They do the little things every single day. And I know that's what people don't want to hear, but it's like, okay, what am I doing today? Am I going to replace the toilet paper holder when it is empty? Or am I just going to put the toilet paper roll on the other one? Am I going to put the dishes in the dishwasher? I'm just going to put them in the sink. Am I going to take out the trash when it's full? Or am I going to just leave it there and let it overflow? Am I going to pick up my clothes after I put them in the dryer and fold them up and put them away? Or am I just going to throw them on the ground and, 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 and just 
pick up my next clothes off of that. Like that's the only thing that separates the elite from the rest. And once you do those little things, and you know this, once you do those little things every single day, you're going to get into momentum. Life's about momentum, man. And when you get into momentum, you'll get rewarded. I've been rewarded so much more now than I ever did on a major league baseball field. And that language that we talk to ourselves with, the most important conversation is a conversation you have with yourself. What are you saying to yourself? Mm. Your perspective and your belief system is, I, I, I coined the MLB mindset. People think it's major league baseball, but it's momentum, language, and belief. What do you believe? The most powerful force in human nature is for us to stay congruent to what we believe to be true about ourselves. And we can change that belief system. I did it. And you could install an, an elevated belief system by just doing baby steps. If we do that every day, then we're going to put ourselves in a position to look back and say, oh, my gosh, how, how, I'm doing it right now. How did I get here talking to you? <laughs> like, how did I just doing it and just doing it and just doing it every day when you don't want to? A hundred percent. And you're doing it. You are doing it. You mentioned something there about motivation being fleeting. But, you know, motivation can be that that moment, that jolt, as you said, that then can create that momentum afterwards so hopefully people listening from this definitely get a jolt of motivation i know i have some <laughs> here so i want to appreciate you for that shay um like i mentioned before the show we're going to end with fast five which are going to be oh, fast right. rapid fire one sentence one word answers i have no doubt you're going to knock it out of the park here with these first one is what is your go-to podcast that you're jamming to Oh gosh, that uh, I have multiple, but uh, I, I flipped from Rich Roll, which is totally like mm. chill and like go, oh, and you know Rich Roll because he was in the pool, now he's an ultra, and like like really amazing. And, and then I flipped it, I'll flip to Ed Milet, and then I'll go to um, uh, Tom Bilyeu, and then it just it's just whatever comes up, and it just I listen to different sermons, TD Jakes, and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, it'll vary. A mix of everything. I'm a big fan of Rich. He's from the same hometown as me. Is grew he? Swimming. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, good. that's what I thought when he said DC. I'm like, Rich is over from from over there. So yep, he grew up swimming against my uncle. Actually, it's uh, awesome against each other. Small world. I, I've, um, I've 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 dabbled in the plant based world, and my wife's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I listened to a Rich Wool podcast." Sorry, honey. Rich, I kinda... Rich convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Number two. What is your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Oh. These are good questions. I've read so many. Um, I get, I have uh, the Audible app, mm. and I, I, I go, I, I listen to them through there. Uh, the reason why I, I'm looking here, I'm looking at my app. The one I'm listening to right now is, um, what is it? How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, mm. by by Dale uh, by Dale Carnegie. Sounds and that's like that's the one. one that's the one I'm listening to right now. And then I just flip around and where I get is I get it from podcasts, right? So I listen to podcasts and people that I resonate with will say, Hey, listen to this one or listen to that one. Actually, Dean Graziosi, um, who is a guru in, uh, in, the selling stuff, uh, real estate stuff online. Um, he mentioned that one. So I'm listening to that one right now. Great choice. Great guy to, to kind of use as a mentor yeah. to, to guide you towards other resources. Number three, what is something that you can't live without? My wife, Kristen. Right answer. <laughs> said, what is what's something you can't live without? <laughs> she's she's sitting right here. So like, it's funny because thumbs up. <laughs> well, she's smiling because she knows that I can't live without her. Like what she's done for me is just amazing. Like it's just 
it brings me to tears every time. And I told her uh, last week that I want to take her to the promised land because she's done so much for me and showed me true love that I didn't know was possible. And she brought this Shea Hillenbrand out and it's just uh, the greatest feeling in the world. I can feel it from the, through the zoom screen here. Man. <laughs> um, number four, what is a quote that you live by? Oh, it's not about the techniques, how you teach a technique. Let me slow that down because I coined it. It's not about the technique. It's how you teach the technique that stimulates growth and creates transformation. So you could say whatever you want. You could have the best information in the world. And if you don't get somebody to feel it, they're not going to be moved to change that narrative inside their head that they're saying to themselves right now. So there's so much noise out there currently out there. Like, it's just crazy how much noise is out there. So what's going to be able to cut you through that noise is people have to be able to feel you. The number one way you could transmit energy to other people is by two things, by telling the truth and believing in what you're saying. And those are the things I, I live by as I've always wanted to tell the truth. Cause I never had to tell the truth before. And I want to believe, it. I mean, I'm not going to say something if I don't believe in it. And that's what's gotten me into trouble before in the past, but, but you have to be able to get people to feel what you say. And your voice has to be heard by somebody out there right now, because there's a lot of people that are one breath away from giving up that need to hear your voice. Beautifully said, beautifully said, Shay. Last one. What is if you could sum up your focus right now in the one word, what's that word? Transform. Mm. Transform. You got to transform, man. Beautiful. Romans 12, too. Do, do, do not conform yourself to the world, but transform yourself by the renewal of your mind. And that, that that's a biblical verse, but that's, that's a relative verse to so many people because so many people are trying to follow other people out there right now, and they're losing themselves in that shuffle. And when you lose yourself in that shovel, shuffle, you lose who you are. You can't conform to other people. You got to find yourself first. And once you find yourself first, now you take bits and pieces of the information that be able to help you out. I help baseball players that swing a baseball bat to hit. I'm like, how can you, how do you know what to work on if you don't know your swing? And people in the, in the business space, at a, when I, the people that I coach is like, how do you know who you are or what you want if you don't know who you are? How do you know what you want if you don't know who you are? How do you know that you want those Lambos and those mansions and those private jets and all those things if you don't know who you are? Because once you understand who you are and start just training that and mastering that and doing the skill sets that are required around your, your gifts and talents that you have, then, oh gosh, life's the sky's the limit. Life just changes and transformation happens. It can't not happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to acknowledge you, man, for the one, the way that you show up, two, just the way that you share your stories is admirable it's open and i just appreciate because i can i can feel the transformation that you've gone through through the words the emotion that comes up as you speak so first and foremost i want to acknowledge you for just being a light in this world man and and second where can those listening in find more of you connect with you and learn more about kind of what you do who you are and all of the all of the things yeah my my, my website's shayhillenbrand.co um, for some reason, somebody bought shayhillenbrand.com and thought they'd want to sell it to me. I don't know why anybody would want uh, my name, <laughs> but uh, shayhillenbrand.co. And then uh, on socials, I'm on uh, Instagram as shay underscore hillenbrand. I'm on Facebook as shayhillenbrand, and I'm on LinkedIn as shayhillenbrand. So I, I spend pretty much my, my most of my time there, and I share some videos and content and stuff on those platforms. Amazing. Last question. Where are you guys going out to eat on 
down in New Orleans Where are we going? tonight. Where are we going tonight, dude? Brennan's. Amazing. My dad will be dying to know. He loves Noah. So <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing here, man. There's like so much uh so many good places. I didn't know oysters were prominent here. I mean, the seafood's amazing. The people are awesome and and the jazz is amazing. So we're looking looking for a great night. If you still have time, check out Commander's Palace if you've never heard We've of it. We've tried to Palace. get a re- re- reservation. <laughs> Let's go to Commander's Palace. We've tried 17 times to get a reservation there but for some reason we actually walked to the restaurant yesterday took the the, the city car and went over there and walked to, and the, the, they were closed so we're like we're doing everything we can to get into that place so we'll see if we can fingers crossed <laughs> yeah Wish i could pull yeah. some strings for you appreciate you tuning in be sure to share shay's story with a friend family member or teammate because together we go far and until next week flow on my friends